believe it's also maybe for somebody else. I'm certain that he keeps reminding me of it. And so I believe he wants me to share it in Second John, uh, verse 8. Second <clears throat> John 8, as I was praying this morning, uh, he gave me, and studying, he gave me this scripture. Second John 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, or my margin says gained, but that we receive a full reward. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have gained, but that we receive a full reward. And I'm just quickened tonight that you, that you and I, that we just make sure we don't lose what we've gained. You know, we, we, uh, we endeavor to move with God, and when we move with God, we grow and we increase, and we take gr new ground, so to speak. And it's just so important. The devil, I think he likes, even, you know, sometimes he tries to keep us from taking new ground. But what he likes to do even more than that is to take the ground you've taken to take it back. Amen. And you know, I was pastor was saying like uh, that how he hates this gospel. You know, God, uh, the devil loves defeated Christians. He loves that gospel. He loves that get saved and be defeated for the rest of your life. He loves it. Amen. But he hates the gospel of abundant life, of overcoming, of walking by faith and not by sight. Amen. He hates that. He hates it. Hallelujah. In, in uh, this second John verse 8 in the Amplified, just listen to this. Look to yourselves. Take care that you may not lose Throw away or destroy all that we and you have labored for, but that you may that but that you may persevere until you win and receive back a perfect reward in full. Let me read that again. Look to yourselves. Take care that you may not lose or throw away or destroy all that we and you have labored for, but that you may persevere until you win and receive back a perfect reward in full. So let's persevere until we win. Amen? Glory to God. And let's keep the ground we've taken. Hallelujah. We've taken some ground, so let's keep the ground we've taken. Amen? And what's more, let's take some new ground. Amen? The Bible says, I've been saying this to the Lord this week, because it's time for Word of Life Church to take some new ground, and I've been saying this, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God, I'm just believing you to do something big and something good. Hallelujah. I'm believing for the, for, I'm just believing you to do exceeding abundantly above all that we asked or thought or imagined. I'm believing you to prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do y'all, will y'all believe for God to do that for you? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. I shall not want, lack, or do without any good or beneficial thing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's right here on earth, family. That Psalm 23 is not heaven. Because there are no enemies in heaven. Those green pastures and still waters, he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about now. Psalm 23 is a picture of the baptized in the Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, abundant life. That's what it's a picture of. 
Amen. It's now. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we just look in the face of circumstances and we say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're talking about relationships. We're not going to go with musicians. I don't know if Pastor told you all that or not, but we're going to wait on that a couple of weeks. Not next week, probably, because we'll be coming out of Pastor Buzzy's meeting. No telling what. We'll be electrified or something. Glory to God. i got to find all the right papers first. If y'all bear with me just a second. Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, found some little things on relationships in a little magazine we picked up down when we went on vacation, went down to the beach. But um, I'll read this to you first. This is, uh, <laughs> it says, Muldoon lived alone. Now, this one's not about relationships, okay? I just want to read this, okay? Lord, just time out for a minute while I read this. Muldoon lived alone in the Irish countryside with only a pet dog for company. One day the dog died and Muldoon went to the parish priest and asked, Father, me dog is dead. Could you be a saying a mass for the poor creature? Father Patrick replied, I'm afraid not. We cannot have services for an animal in the church. But there are some Baptists down the lane and there's no telling what they believe. Maybe they'll do something for the creature. Muldoon said, I'll go right away, Father. Do you think 5000 is enough to donate for the service? Father Patrick exclaimed, Sweet Mary, Mother of Jesus, why didn't you tell me the beloved pet was a Catholic? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We, do, we will do dog services for $5,000. Amen. Glory to God. Just kidding. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We might ought to advertise that in the paper because I know there's some people that would pay it. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, I, I was reading in this thing on the other page, and, uh, and uh, there was actually some things that were pretty good about relationships, so I'll read those to you now. The five most essential words for a healthy, vital relationship, not I love you, not I really appreciate you, but I apologize, and you're right. You are right. The five most essential words for a healthy, vital relationship. I apologize, and you are right. Everyone seems normal until you get to know them. I thought we ought to put that on our sign. No, I'm just kidding you out there. <laughs> but you know, that's really true. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Number Another one, when you make a mistake, make amends immediately. It's easier to eat crow while it's still warm. Now, we're going to talk about that tonight, too. The only really good advice that your mother ever gave you was, go, you might meet somebody. Praise God. If he or she says that you are too good for him or her, believe them. Some of you didn't catch that. Let me read it again. Let me just put it in the heat. If he says, you're too good for me, believe him. Girls, if he says, you're too good for me, believe him. Amen. Okay. Learn to pick your battles. Ask yourself, will this matter one year from now? How about one month, one week, or one day? Now, that's really good advice for relationships. Amen? Will this matter? How many times do we get involved over something that really won't matter? A day from now? A week from now? Think about that. Living well really is the best revenge. We're not supposed to be in revenge, but think about this. Living well really is the best revenge. Being miserable because of a bad or former relationship 
just might mean that the other person was right about you. Amen. How many of you agree that we shouldn't be miserable? Amen. Over relationships. I don't think God intends for us to be miserable not one day of our life. I don't think Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly except for a few days. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but there's going to be some few days that you're going to feel really rotten. There's a few days you're going to hate yourself. You're going to be depressed. No, he didn't say that. You're going you're gonna to feel rejected, feel like nobody loves you. I, I believe he came that we'd have abundant life. Amen. Now, this is taking new ground, folks, that we would have abundant life every day of our lives that we would have, as Deuteronomy says, days of heaven upon the earth. And that, You know, if we have days of heaven on the earth, we can't have a bad day. Hallelujah. And having a bad day or not having a bad day is just simply how we're looking at situations and how we're reacting to them. Really what it boils down to is really just believing this. Amen. It's believing this above our circumstances. It's believing this above what other people say about us, how other people feel about us. It's, it, 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 you know, we don't want to have a, um, a chip on our shoulder or an attitude about us. But on the other hand, we need to be a little bit like, um, we need to let some things just kind of run off of us and say, and have this attitude of it really doesn't matter what you think about me. What matters is what he thinks about me. What he says about me. Amen. Praise God. And if we don't have that, we're going to be kind of bumped back and forth all the time. Have a bunch of bumps and bruises. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're talking about relationships tonight. Glory to God. I also heard something on TV yesterday. I mean, I actually thought this really tied in with the relationships. And you know, I want to say again, when I'm teaching on relationships, I am not teaching about husband and wife relationships. You may can apply some of the principles I'm teaching. And I'm also not teaching about boyfriend and girlfriend relationships here. I'm teaching on friendship. Amen. So would you please take out of your mind boyfriend and girlfriend relationships when I'm talking about this and, and start thinking about your friends. This is what we're talking about, our friends. The people that God puts us, divine connections, Holy Ghost hookups, people God puts us in relationship, in friendships with. I'm also not talking about your kinfolks. Although you can take some of these things and apply it to kinfolks, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you need some friends. Amen. And you need to find, I mean, you've got Jesus. And some people got that attitude of that's all I need is Jesus. But I can guarantee you that's not all you need because Jesus works through people. Amen. And you need some friends. Hallelujah. You need some Holy Ghost friends. And you don't just need one Holy Ghost friend. You need several Holy Spirit filled friends. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you, and, uh, uh, so we're talking about having friends here. We're talking about relationships. Praise God. Well, uh, I heard this doctor on TV say that women, when they have a, a stress, that they have a chemical in their body. I'm not sure if it was a hormone or, if, I don't know, but chemical. And it's called oritocin. When they get into a lot of stress. And it says, when women are stressed, they need two things. 
They need to tend or befriend. Tend or befriend. And it says when women uh, have a friendship during a time of stress, it lowers the risk of death by 60%. If you're going through a real time of stress, the enemies come in, and you have a friend, or maybe more than one, we could lower it even more. Amen? The risk of death, you know, stress can bring all sorts of things in, apart from Jesus, and, you know, if in certain, you know, if we're not approaching it in faith, even when we have Jesus, it lowers the risk of death by 60%. So, I say again, you need a friend. And uh, this doctor said, men, women when they have stress, tend or befriend, and men when they have stress, uh, fight or flight. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he knows. Y'all can, you men explain that to me after the service, okay? <laughs> but anyway, but praise God, we need friends. Thank you, Jesus. Friends are healthy. And we're to have friends that stick closer to us than our brothers, than our natural family, and we are to be that kind of friend to other people. We are to stick closer in our relationships than we are, than we do in our natural family. Amen? Glory to God. And we're to be long-suffering in our relationships. Because just like I read out this little magazine, uh, what did it say there? The, uh, everyone seems normal until you get to know them. This is going to happen to you with your friends. You're going to meet someone uh, and you're going to have a, a, a connection. You realize this is a friend God's put in my life. This is something God's doing. Something sparked here. Something supernatural is going on here. We just have a, we have a divine connection. We have a Holy Ghost hookup and then you're going to get to know them. And then you're going to be tempted to do what I said one night. Just throw that relationship away like you would a paper plate. Because... They're, you're going to find out all the places they're weird. And you know what? They're going to find out all the places you're weird. And everybody's weird in some place or another. Everybody. The whole world's weird. And you're the only one that you don't think is weird. You don't think you're weird. But we all know you are. Why, I could walk around this room and point out some of the little idiosyncrasies. And you could say, and my kids do this to me. They will um, imitate me. And, in, and the, you know what they're doing? They're pointing out their mother's idiosyncrasies, her little mannerisms, her little things that they notice that I never notice I do. They, 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 they make fun of how I say words. And you know what? We sowed it. I'm reaping it. We make fun of how Michael's mother says words. She unthaws things. How many of you unthaw things? She don't thaw them, she unthaws them. <laughs> so we laugh about that. And you know, we sow it and we reaped it. I reap it from my own kids. I mean, I'm getting it back. They make fun of how I say certain countries, certain states. They, they have a big... But see, we are all, we all have our little things. Amen? Praise God. I could tell some little idiosyncrasies of Eric's. I could tell some of Colin's. I could tell some of... Uh, and they could tell a lot on their dad. They could. And, you know, I can, I can remember my grandmother. She's gone on to be with the Lord, but I remember her little idiosyncrasies. 
you know. And my dad's little uh, idiosyncrasies and his dad's. And sometimes we pass these little crazy things that we do down through the generations, don't we? So that my dad does the things my grandfather used to do. You know, my stepmom says, used to say before my grandfather went to be with the Lord, she'd say, your daddy's so much like his Doyle, she called him. She's, your daddy's so much like Doyle, it's scary. And he was. Amen. And so we have these things in our life. But, you know, we got to get past them in our relationships. Amen. We got to, we got to kind of celebrate the uniqueness of human beings. We got to enjoy the difference. I'm just so glad everybody can thank God for this tonight that we're not all alike. Now, if everybody was like me, that'd be okay. But I can think of some people, it's like, I'm so glad we're not all like you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Can you just think of somebody, you know, our neighbor, he dresses rather strange. He wears uh, shorts, and they're not, they were in style about 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And then he puts on knee rubber boots with them. This is how he works in the yard. And just, just in your mind, just get a picture of a whole, the whole world just dressed like that. Wouldn't that be the most weirdest thing? You know, so, so praise God we're not all alike. We're going to talk tonight about communication and communicating. And so um, in our relationships, one of the things we need to learn to do is be better communicators. Actually, most of us have not really, and myself included, we've not learned to be very good at communications. The Bible teaches us some things about communications, and we need to learn those things from the Bible, and we need to do them. And so we need to, and one of the things, you can't, you can't communicate with your relationships and with your friendships until you open your heart, open your door, open the door of your heart, enlarge your heart. Um, and, and, you know, um, in our relationships, there's one thing that is inevitable, and that's offenses. The Bible says offenses are going to come. And there's not any relationship, mother, daughter, sisters, brothers, friendships, husbands and wives, boyfriend and girlfriend. There's not any pastors and congregations. There's not any relationship on the face of the earth where offenses don't come. And you know, I, I just think sometimes we're, we just don't prepare ourselves for this. That we come to a church or we come into a friendship and we really are hoping... We're believing in some sort of a, a, a fairy tale, and we're really hoping that we're going to come to this and we're not ever going to get offended. And, and that is not being prepared for what is absolutely going to happen. It happens not because people are bad. It happens because there's a bad devil. There's a, it happens because most of the time... I would think the majority of the time, offenses that come, especially among spirit-filled Christians like we are, were not brought intentionally. We're not, they're not premeditated, I'm going to get you offenses. Actually, they're offenses orchestrated by the devil. A lot of them based on things that are totally not true 
totally out of context, totally false. You know, the devil whispers things in our ear, things like, she's thinking this. Did you see that look? I mean, he tells us things that, like that and much, much worse. And he does it to all of us about our relationships. He's come to unhook us from our Holy Ghost hookups. He's come to make sure that you never have a friend that sticks closer than a brother and that you never, ever stick very close to anybody. Amen? Praise God. So one of the things concerning communication that we need to learn to do, and uh, this is really important, is that we learn to discuss offenses early and as often as needed. You know, a lot of people, because we're bad communicators, we just don't want to deal with offenses. We just don't want to deal with problems. What we want to do is give it some time. We want to lift up a rug, sweep it under the rug, put the rug back down, and kind of see what happens. But guaranteed, guaranteed, family, when you live like that in your relationships, it never gets better. Giving it some time never works. Because when you give it some time, you're, you know what you're giving time to? You're giving the devil some time. You're giving the devil some time to blow it out proportion, make it bigger. You're giving him some time to work on their emotions, nurse, giving them some time to nurse it and rehearse it. Amen. Going over and over and over and over it again in their minds, what was said. So we need to learn to discuss our offenses. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I know that some of you go, I cannot do this. But we cannot, we've, we've got to grow up spiritually. We've got to be men and women of the word. And when you are a man and woman of the word, you don't just agree with the word, praise God for the word, look at the word, say the word sure is sweet, it sure is good. But what we actually do is do what it says. Amen? We actually do it. Turn to Matthew 5, verse 23, and we'll get where Jesus told us this. Jesus talking here. He says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... Now, that gift could be a financial gift, but it could also be when you go to the altar with your prayer, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee. One thing I want you to notice is it doesn't say, and if you remember, you've got ought against your brother. It doesn't say that, does it? What it says is if you remember or you think maybe you've kind of picked up in the spirit that your brother has a problem with you. Your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, they have a problem with you and you're picking up on it. Usually it's not very hard to pick up on it. We're spiritual people. The Bible says those that are spiritual judge all things. I mean, we're, we're anointed of the Holy Spirit. We're picking things up in the Spirit. It's not too hard to, to tell when somebody's not clear towards you. Amen. It says when you go to the altar... Bring thy gift to the altar, verse 23, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, say first. First, first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. 
Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the other most farthing. So, uh, uh, then turn over to, uh, well, no, we won't turn there yet. But God, Jesus gave us some steps here. And the first thing he said was to go, when you bring your gift to the altar, when you come to prayer, when you come to the time of prayer, you come to the altar and you know your brother in Christ has ought against you. He says, leave your gift. He didn't say, give it some time. And another thing he didn't say is pray about it. I want to tell you, we don't pray about it first. We talk first and pray later. See, most of us, all through our lives, what we've done is we find out somebody's got, we can feel something. Something's not right. What we want to do is pray. And we pray, and you know what happens? It, does, it gets bigger. It gets worse. It seems like our prayers aren't answered. It seems like God doesn't... doesn't intervene on our behalf because we've got, we're not doing what the Bible says. He didn't say to pray. In fact, he said, if you come to the altar and you know your brother has ought against you, go immediately, go right now and talk first. And then after you've talked, you'll know what to pray about. You'll know what they're upset about. Amen? And I'll tell you something, the quicker you resolve it, the better off you are. And did you notice there that he said, um, Leave thy, or thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. He's talking about acting quickly. When you realize that your brother, that your friend has a problem, act quickly. When you realize, you can use this on, when you realize your employee has a problem. When you realize, when you realize, you can use this on your husbands and wives, on your brothers and sisters, natural brothers and sisters. When you realize they have a problem with you, go and be reconciled to your brother. And so he gave us four steps in these scriptures to resolve an offense. One, talk to the first, talk to the person. Two, be reconciled. Three, agree or come to terms quickly. Remember he said there, agree with thine adversary quickly. You need to resolve as quickly. Don't let this thing be, make up your mind when you go in, we're going to resolve this quickly. Obviously, you cannot compromise your morals in this. We're not asking, saying to compromise, but we are saying to come into agreement uh, in a very quick way. Number four, forgive. So we go and we talk. We talk first. We pray later. We have a mutual discussion of what went wrong. And we need to do some things. We need to not insist that we are right. You know, a lot of times, neither one's completely right and neither one's completely wrong. Most of the time, we think we're completely right. And we think the other one is completely wrong. But usually, that's not the case. Sometimes it could be the case where one is right and one is wrong. But when we go to be reconciled, we need to not go with the assumption that we're right because we may not have all the effects yet. I mean, if we walk into the room with an I'm right and you're wrong and I've come to prove it attitude, it's not going to be easy to get reconciled to our brother, is it? We got to come with humility. We got to come willing for to see their side. 
And most of the time in relationships, the way it works is that Eric's looking at the, he's on, he, here, say we got a mountain between us. He's looking at the mountain one way and I'm looking at it the other way. I'm on one side looking at it one way. He's on the other side looking. And from the way I'm looking at it, that's right. But if you get on the other side of the mountain, it might look totally different. In other words, he's probably got some, there's probably some truth, but there's probably some truth in what I'm seeing too. Amen? So we, uh, we do not refuse to hear the other person's side. You know, especially women. Women, and, and husbands, listen carefully. This will help you so much. Women, and, and as a general rule, just give her some time and this will get better. The women got to talk it out to get it out. And it don't get out until she talks it about it. And you may not want to hear it, but you still better let her talk it. And you better listen. Because it don't go away till she talks about it. Amen? Women got to talk about it. Men can not talk about it. And they can... Go out and throw a football or hit a softball or, or do something like that or hit a golf ball. And you know, they can work it out. But she has to talk it out. Amen. So we have to be willing to listen to the other person. We got to, now here's something. Look to see if the problem is in us. Being willing to be honest, not being defensive. Being willing to be, being willing to really look and see if we're the problem. Do not make excuses or justify yourself. Well, I just did that because. Or I'm justified. I know this is wrong, but I'm justified. Family, if it's wrong, it's wrong. We don't have any justification for being wrong. Amen? If you need to repent, then do it. And do not blame someone or something else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never go with the attitude that I'm going to win. But here's something else. And here's what a lot of people need to do. If we're going to have relationships, friendships, we got to get rid of the no confrontation mentality. Some people got a no confrontation no matter what mentality. Some people got a peace at any cost mentality. Peace at any cost means one thing. You're not going to be able to stay in the relationship. Because you're going to not confront, and, by con and, and, and I want to tell you, confrontation has a bad rap. We get to thinking about confrontation, and it's like, okay, I'm going to have a confrontation with Eric. You know, immediately y'all all assume that I'm going to get in his face. Because isn't that what confrontation sounds like to you? I am going to get in his face and tell him, read him the right act. Confrontation just means that you go and you open up the situation. Brother, I realize I, I just I just keep uh, when I when I'm before the Lord and when I'm I just feel like something's not right between you and I. That's confrontation right there. That's confronting the situation, and that's the thing we need to to realize is we need to confront situations and not confront people. Amen. We don't have to get in somebody's face. We can go with humility and say, you know, something just doesn't, something doesn't feel right here. I notice we just don't have the unity or whatever, you know, and, and, and not putting them down. Not, not putting them on the defensive. 
So get rid of that no confrontation attitude. Don't run. Don't run. If confrontation is avoided, then relationships will be lost. You know, there's not anything wrong in a relationship, a friendship, for me to just say, just, Karen, I love you, but I got to tell you, you hurt my feelings. Now, really, as I mature in Christ, I should be able to get rid and get over the little things that hurt my feelings. I ought to be able to get rid of them on my own. That's why Jesus didn't say there, now if you go to the altar and you have ought against your brother, go to them. Because having ought against your brother doesn't automatically mean you have to go to them. You ought to, you, you ought to be able to get rid of it in the little situations on your own as you mature in Christ. But sometimes there's things that we come to the point where we realize if I don't communicate, they may not know even that it's a problem, but if I don't communicate with my relationship in this, this relationship is going to end anyway. Because we cannot progress in our relationship because we got this situation between us, so I've got to go and say, Karen, I've got to be honest, my feelings are hurt. Or I may have misunderstood, but this is what I felt like you said. Or, you know, whatever, but being willing to go and confront the situation in order to clear the air, in order to clear the cancer of what that's growing in the relationship that's there to destroy, in order to expose the enemy. Amen? Praise God. Christians, listen to me this, Christians... Christians should be able to clear up misunderstandings and conflicts. Family, there is no reason on God's green earth why Christians ought not to be getting along with each other. Why Christians ought not... There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be offenses. Why you can't work with somebody at the office and and be in high-pressure, intense situations without somebody stepping on somebody's toes at some point or another. We can't work together in the church. Hallelujah. Whatever y'all did, those fans, it didn't work. (laughs) It's hot up here. (laughs) Praise God. We can't work together in this church, in children's church, and vacation Bible school, and the music ministry, and the, you know, um, uh, uh, all the stuff we work together on. And there not be some times when I don't say the right thing or you don't say the right thing or when I may come in. And you know many times, like the devil aids this, but you, you know you come to church and, and the devil point out, well, you know, Miss Debbie didn't even talk to you tonight. You know, or he points out to me, well, you know, they never said a word to you. In fact, it nearly looked like they turned away when you walked by. See, the devil's so faithful. He's so faithful to be the devil, isn't he? Amen. You know, I want to tell you something, family. It is not God ever pointing that out to you. God never says, did you notice that he didn't speak to you? Did you notice that they were talking to so-and-so instead of to you? God doesn't ever point those things out. It's the devil every time. It is always the devil. Hallelujah. And we need as Christians, it's time for the body. Are we going to be the glorious church or not? Are we, we, we got to get where we are flowing together. And you know, even if we disagree and there is no resolution, we can still agree to disagree. 
You know, just because you don't agree with me doctrinally don't mean we have to hate each other. Don't mean we have to be rude to each other. Doesn't mean we have to work against each other. The devil gets into relationships. He tries to get us competing with each other. He tries to say, well, you just, just look how much better that they have it than you do. You know God's blessing them more than He is you. You know, we're just going to have to get used to, to God's blessings arriving in different people's lives at different times. And this is not something where, okay, on May 1st, at 9 a.m. in the morning, everybody's harvest is coming in at the same time. No, our harvest depends on what we sowed, how we watered it. And my harvest may come faster than yours, or yours may come faster than mine. And you know, we don't ever always know. You don't know my whole history. You don't know what I was doing in 1980. What were you doing in 1980? <laughs> See, I've been doing this longer than he has. Bless God. There ought to be, you know, I'm sorry you were born in 1980. Is that when you were born? I'm sorry, but I was, I was sowing seed in 1980. Believing God for my harvest in 1980. Hallelujah. Why, you weren't, and even then, what were you doing in 1995? Getting saved. See, I knew that because she said 15 the other day, so I was doing my arithmetic. Hallelujah. And in, I'm sorry you didn't get saved till 95, but in 95, I'd already been preaching the gospel mm, 13 years. Sowing seed for 13 years. My harvest may come at a different time than yours. Amen? On the other hand, you may have been watering last week while I was at the beach with my feet propped up. Just chilling on them waves, just looking. You know, you may have been watering, you may have been walking the floor praising God. You know, his harvest might, he might, he might see something before I see something. In some realm or another. And also a lot, it depends on revelation. You know, and it depends on our commitment to the revelation. But one thing it doesn't depend on is God is no respecter of persons. And he's not withholding from you or me. And he's not saying, I like them better than I like you. He's not doing that. What he did for you, he'll do for me. If I see something in your life I like, I don't have to lust after it. I can just say, praise God, you are no respecter of persons. Amen? Do you see something in my life you like? Well, get in there. I'll believe with you. Get in there. Start believing God. Find your scripture and verse. Start calling those things that be not as though they were. Start delighting yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. I got my swimming pool in my backyard telling God that Lawrence and Kathleen had one. And that He was no respecter of persons. Now I wasn't lusting after theirs. I wasn't wishing that they would go on to be with Jesus and leave their house to the, to the church and their will. I wasn't, you know, I was just saying, God, now you gave it to one, and I want one, and I believe you for it. Do you want one? I'll hook up with you. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's not any respecter of persons. Thank you, Jesus. Do you need a car? He'll get, he, you can get yours like I got mine. 
and the one before that and the one before that. I've been through a lot of cars. Believe in God. Hallelujah. See, we don't, there's not any need for Christians not to get along. And one thing that causes our relationships to be disrupted is competing with each other. When we start to compete over things. Competing over positions in the church. Dear God, I just think God's smart enough. He said, I added to the church. He plants people in the church where He has them to be. He's just surely smart enough that He's got your gift planted and it's going to come forth at the right time. Amen. So we, there's just no need to compete. All we need to do is believe God. Hallelujah. So, you know, sometimes, and I realize this, when you see your brother has a problem and you go to your brother, sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes, because people are such poor communicators, you go to them and you say, you know, so-and-so, I, I just sense something's not right between us. Can we, can, can we discuss something? And they just won't talk. And so you think, well, well, Debbie, what do I do? You know what? Once you've obeyed the Scripture, you're free. Once you've obeyed Jesus, you're free. You can't control other people. You ask yourself, have I followed the steps that Jesus laid out? And then you just continue to walk in love. But I tell you one thing you've got to guard against. When somebody won't cooperate with you in communication, and they refuse to have resolution, some people just like being mad. They're just happier when they got a stink going. They just don't know how to live apart from strife because that's all they lived in all their life is strife. I tell you, you've been raised by goats, you're going to act like a goat in the church. If you, were, if, you don't have, if you don't go to these scriptures and you don't acknowledge, dear God, my, my, my parents were the goatiest Christians. that Y'all, I know I might be stepping on, but there's been some of us that got raised by goats as far as the Christian world was concerned. They didn't submit to the local body and they just came when they wanted to and did what they wanted to. And when it didn't go their way, bless God, they got mad and they just, and we got raised by goats. And, we're, and you know what? It's tempted to be passed down through the generations and act like goats. And uh, some people just won't be reconciled. But if we followed the steps of Jesus, you know what? We're free. We just need to continue to walk in love. And there's what we need. I don't know if I said this. If I did, forgive me for repeating myself. The big problem, next thing, is the temptation for you to get offended because they won't. In other words, the devil tries to turn the offense. They're offended. You try to communicate, and they won't, so now you're offended. So now he's got, the devil's got both. So the challenge is not to get offended. Just continue to walk in love, and you just have to turn it over to Jesus, family. Amen? We have to know when to let relationships go and move on. Amen. Now, the word reconciled, be reconciled to your brother there. You remember where we read that? And be reconciled to thy brother in verse 24. Means mutual concession after mutual hostility. It is the responsibility of godly friends to walk in love and to work out their differences. Family, it is our responsibility. Whether we like it or not, listen, we see what we want to do is have friends, have fun, never have a problem. And when we, if we do have a problem, let's drop that one and go to the next one. But that is not God's way. 
It's our responsibility to be reconciled, to do what we can to be reconciled, and to work out our problems. Ne neglected reconciliation results in lost friendship, and, it, and even here it says he can even end up taking you to court. Now, not over a friendship, but when we have uh, problems where business is concerned, it can go so far as it's important to reconcile so you don't end up in court. Amen? Praise God. To uh, Relationships affect our entire lives and must be tended carefully. You know, relationships aren't just, well, that's my friendships, but they affect our entire life. That's why it's so important that we get them right. Amen. Um, in Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contingents are like the bars of a castle. Praise God. Forgive means aphemi, and it means, is the Greek word, it means to send away. Forgive thy brother means to send away. It doesn't mean send him away. Send the offense away. Complete cancellation of the debt. When God forgives you, he completely cancels it. He does not just um, release you from it and say, well, I'm not going to hold this against you. He cancels it. You don't owe me anything. Hallelujah. Um, it is a cancellation of the punishment. Deliverance from the penalty, complete removal of the cause of the offense. Amen. Communicate early and often about any potential difficulties. Now, this is another part of this. You know, sometimes we've got to do something in our lives, and we know ahead of time this could be a problem. You know? Maybe... Uh, you know your friend wants you to be in his wedding, but you've got a problem. You've got, you've got a reason why that's not best for your life. But he's your friend. He's expecting you to be best man, and you've got a situation. Family, a lot of times what we do is, and let's, let's take it out of the best man realm. Let's just say your friend's expecting you to be at his wedding, but you've got a conflict. What we need to do is communicate. Amen? Early, communicate early. In other words, get in there ahead of the offense. And communicate often about any potential difficulties. See, sometimes we get the mentality of, well, I mentioned that to them once, kind of casually. No, communicate doesn't mean to hint around. See, some of us, what we call dealing with something is we kind of hint. And you know, most of us just don't catch when you hint. And we go away, wonder what he was talking about. He sure was acting strange tonight. Wonder what he was hinting about. Or maybe we don't even pick up on it at all. Maybe we just, it just goes over us. Hallelujah. You know, we just need to say what we mean and mean what we say. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to think about sometimes ahead of time so that we say it in a nice way. Hallelujah. Deal with issues. Don't run from them. Ephesians 4.27 says, uh, don't give place to the devil. When we don't communicate in relationships, we are giving place to the devil. Communication voids usually cause people to think the worst. See, you, you don't realize when you don't communicate and you don't say anything, because of the, I guess because we, of the world system, People usually assume the worst. 
when a lot of times if we would communicate, it's not that bad. You know what? In relationships, a lot of times, the only problem we have is lack of communication. Amen? Communication is dealing openly and honestly with issues as they arise. Communication is to a relationship what blood is to life. Without blood, life cannot exist, and without communication, a relationship cannot exist. The next step is we need to do, as far as being a godly friend, is to admit our errors. If we have made an error, if we have blown an opportunity, or if we have made a mistake, we need to be big enough to admit it. Say, I am big enough to admit it. Apologize to our friends when we do something that wasn't good for the relationship. Amen? If we will apologize when we are wrong and do what is right, God will give us peace whether or not the person forgives us or not. The next step is for being a good friend is find an answer before you point out the problem. Hallelujah. Let's just take this right now in the church. You know, until you have the solution, you don't have a right to point out a problem. And we could take that into our marriages. We could take that to our friendships. I don't have a right to point out your problem if I don't already have a solution for you. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, every person has idiosyncrasies. We talked about that. However, we are usually pretty far into the relationship before we begin to see them. See, everybody seems normal at first. Don't point out our faults unless you have a solution. Don't point out our problems unless you have a solution. Our friends and our churches, etc., need solutions, not criticism. Amen? Everybody can point out what's wrong with the music, Kevin, but do you have a solution? Amen? Have you, do you know a solution to the problem? Everybody can say, uh, you know, well, I don't like this. You know, don't like this about the front of the church. Do you have a solution? And here's the next thing. Will you fund the solution? I don't like the front of our church. I think it's ugly. Do you have a solution? I do. Brick. And an awning. Amen. I got the solution. Are you funding? Amen. See, we don't have any right to point out the problems unless we have a solution. That could change every church in town right there. Dear God, that could change every church in town. If, if there was a rule that you will ab that there will be a giant zapper come out of the sky and, uh, and electrocute you slightly every time you criticize without a solution. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just get excited thinking about it. I'll be in charge of the zapper, okay? No, just kidding. Just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was kidding, y'all. Y'all, some of you looked like. Hallelujah. The next step about being a good friend is don't keep score. Mm, you know, we need to throw our scorecards away. Score is for miniature golf. I'd prefer throwing that one away, too. For golf. Keeping scores for bowling, but keeping scores not good for friendships, is it? Um, you know, we don't need to keep score on the good side, and we don't need to keep score on the bad side either. You know, sometimes it's like, um, well, uh, <laughs> I paid last. I paid last, Kevin. 
You know, we don't need to keep score. Amen? Don't keep score. Hallelujah. Do what you feel led to do. Don't do what you don't feel led to do. And don't keep score. And you know what, family? Here, let me just give you some instructions. If somebody comes up to you and says, I'd like to take you out to lunch today. That means they're buying. Family, don't say, I'd like to take you out to lunch today unless you're taking. Amen. Now, there's another way to say it. Y'all, you want to meet at Guthrie's for lunch today? You know what that means? What does meet at Guthrie's mean? Dutch, you're buying and I'm buying mine. You're buying yours and I'm buying mine. I'd like to go to lunch with you, but right today, I just can't buy, so I'd like to go. Amen. Now, when somebody says, let's meet at Guthrie's, don't outfumble them. If you don't have the money and you're going, I really would like to go, but I'm broke. I hope they buy. Don't do that. Here, now I'm being honest with you. You know what you need to say to them? Brother, I'd like to meet you there, but it's just not wisdom. You don't say, I'm broke. You don't say, you don't say we don't have enough. You say, it's not wisdom this week for me to spend that. <laughs> Amen? And then they've got one of two options. They can say, sure, brother, I understand. We'll catch a rain check. Or because they may, it may not be wisdom this week for them to buy yours. Hallelujah. Or they, you can, they can say, hey, brother, I'd like to sow into your life. Amen. But you know, my dad used to say about his brother, he always said, Sam always out fumbles you at the cash register. In other words, he can take longer to get his billfold out. You know, he, he out fumbles you. That's how my dad always put it. So, hey, you all understand, don't be an out fumbler. You're, you know what? Your relationships are going to be short and brief. And you're going to wonder, I wonder why they never did ask us again. Or, you know, because you always were, you were a taker and you weren't a giver. And remember, I didn't want a mission project. I wanted a relationship. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. And it, you will praise God. Woo. So we don't, keep, we don't keep score, but we deal honestly and truthfully. Amen? Praise God. Now, you know, keeping score is like, well, we had them over last. And we're just not having them over again until they have us. Well, that's not what we ought to be doing. Listen, if God, if you, there's, we have relationships, Pastor and I do, where we do most of the doing. Or we have relationships that they contribute to our, they contribute to us in our emotionally, they contribute to us, but they're not ones to initiate being with us. Part of the reason for that is because we're ministers and they know we are and they don't feel comfortable about being the initiator. So we initiate and then we both are mutually blessed. They contribute richness to our relationship. Amen. And so sometimes there's reasons why people don't reciprocate. Amen. Sometimes people hadn't matured enough and they think, oh, you know, our house isn't good enough and things like that. And which I'll tell you is totally erroneous. Or I don't cook good enough. And some people just aren't the hostess with the mostest. You know, really just don't know how to entertain. But you know, if I'm in relationship with you, you can have a hot dog and we'll be happy. Amen. Just having you over to the house for a tuna fish sandwich after church. Hallelujah. 
See, some of us think, well, no, till I have a, a, a lace tablecloth and I have china and maybe even your friend has had you over and they put the lace tablecloth on and they put the china and they are a, an awesome cook. Because I'm not a real big awesome cook. I know that y'all say I gave you a cookbook Sunday, but I tell you it took me 28 years to get 40 recipes. That's how many's in there. 28 years it took me. That's how long I've been cooking. And to get 40 recipes. Ain't, but you know, I'm just, but hallelujah, I can just entertain you on my level. Do what I'm comfortable with. Hallelujah. And you know, it doesn't have to be Martha Stewart good to be okay. Amen. Why, let's just go by the Sonic and pick up hamburgers and bring them by the house. Amen. See, the fellowship's what we're basing this on. Amen? So um, we're not keeping score. Do what you choose to do and do it freely with no strings attached. Hallelujah. Getting close. Come, boy, can I finish this page so I can say we finished tonight? Don't expect gratitude. We talked last week about giving gratitude. But I want to tell you, we are to give gratitude, but we don't, aren't to expect it. We're to do what we do. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Do what you do heartily as unto the Lord. We're not to expect gratitude. We're not to keep score on thank you notes. Although we are to write them and we are to thank people. I told you that last week. But if somebody misses it, dear God, forgive. Don't keep score on that. Don't have a you owe me a favor attitude. That's the world's way. You know, at the office, well, I'm going to go ask so-and-so to do something for me because they owe me a favor. No, we don't keep score, do we? I'd do it for you even if, I didn't, if you didn't owe me a favor. Amen? Um, often our expectations become unrealistic without us knowing it. So we have to watch our expectations. So that's my next one is control your expectations. Most relationships improve when you quit expecting so much. You know, you need to ask yourself this where your friendships are concerned. Maybe you're a li you've got a friendship right now that you're a little bit disappointed in. You know, it's just not really working. Well, what would happen to that friendship if you just backed up a little bit with your expectation? You know, a lot of times, if you'll just lower your expectation from people a little bit, you can get along with them a lot better. Sometimes we have a, if it can't be perfect, I don't want it attitude. Hallelujah. You know, most of the time what you expect of me, I don't even know that you're expecting it. You know, especially, I, I'll just tell you, let me just be honest. We didn't come from seminary, and I was a little girl. The last time I went to the Baptist church, and I wasn't paying much attention, I was sitting on the back row with my uh, future husband. I wasn't listening to a thing. and wasn't paying a lick of attention to what the preacher was doing as far as pastoral duties. Didn't care. Hallelujah. And... Uh, so you may expect some things from me as a minister's wife or expect some things from pastor as a minister. And bless God, we don't even know that you expect it. If you really expect something and want us to do something, you ought to tell us. And we'll tell you one of two things. That's good. We can do that. Or I'm sorry, I just won't be able to do that. That's not a realistic expectation for the call of God that's on my life. That's what we'll tell you. Not that we don't want to do it and not that we don't love you, but we, it may not be realistic for the call of God that's on our life. You know, sometimes people expect you to, well, I, I, I wish you would go to breakfast with us or something. That's not one because that's not... But, but you know, maybe God's got a mandate on that pastor's life to pray two hours every morning. 
And he's answering the mandate of God. You know, that's not the truth. This is, that's not the situation here. I'm not giving you a true life example. I made up something there. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, sometimes we have an expectation for someone and they don't know the expectation or it's not, something, it's not an expectation that they can meet based on what God's called them to do or the vision or, or something to that effect. We need to let people know if we, have, if we have an expectation in someone that's going to ruin the relationship if they don't do it, then we need to let them know what the expectation is. You know, my former pastor did this for me. Well, I can explain to you why we won't be able to do that. <laughs> you know, possibly. Or we'll say, you know, we didn't even know that. You know, you say, well, you've been in the ministry. You ought to know these things uh, 20, 20 years this year. Well, yeah, but you got to understand that whole time was in a word of faith type church like our spirit field. And you got to understand it was out in the middle of kind of nowhere in West Texas. Didn't have a lot of contact with anybody. Uh, God really just brought us up. He didn't say now train under Pastor Osteen for about 15 years or, you know, that'd been nice, you know, but he, that's not how it was. God kind of just jerked us up by the hair of our head off the farm. And uh, all we ever saw was a Baptist preacher. And I never did see one of them do anything right. I mean, I didn't mean that like that. I didn't mean that like that. I really did not mean that like that. Forgive me. But all, all I'm saying is I didn't see anything that I needed to model after there. Amen? And, you know, we are so green that pastor, I think he's preached two funerals maybe. Have we preached two? One or two. One in the graveyard. No, three. One in the graveyard. One from a family that wasn't in our church that loaded the casket in their van and took it to Oklahoma, their personal van. Woo, that was a strange one. <laughs> After the funeral. And, and then one that was actually somebody in our church, and we actually had it in the church, or we had a service in the church. We actually, and, we, and, and by her request, didn't even have the casket in the ch uh, church. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, pastor was so green and the funeral director got so upset with him because he didn't know you're supposed to have the family stand up because or all the people stand up when the family came in. We didn't know that because you got to understand at that time, nobody ever died in our family. And so we just, and you know, somebody ought to teach us these things. Actually, it was the funeral director should have told us, I guess. But, you know, I'm sure he assumed because, you know, they're, they're up burying them three and four a day sometimes in other churches. But we had believed God, and we only had one die in, in, in 15, 14 years. See, expectations is what I'm talking about. Sometimes we're expecting things of people that there's just no way they would have knowledge to know to be expected. And that can be in a church, but it can also be in our friendships. Hallelujah. Do you expect something out of your friendship? Then you need to tell them. Hallelujah. Now, there's, you've got to understand that when you tell them, they may say, Bye. See you. <laughs> Can't handle this, but you if, you, if you're going to be mad and upset the whole time because they don't do it, amen? Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you can come to a compromise besides. Hallelujah. The whole, the whole point is compromise. The last thing is watch for attacks from the enemy. Satan always goes after love. When you love somebody, you know, the Bible says Jonathan and David, they were knit together. They loved each other. There was, a, there was a supernatural Holy Ghost knitting. It just happened. Satan hates love. And any, he, hates, he hates love between husband and wife. He hates it when we love God. Oh, he hates it when we praise God. He hates love. He hates it when we love one another. He hates it when we walk in love. He hates it when you forgive me, Brother Carlton. 
He hates for you to forgive me. He hates it when a people when a people love their pastor. Satan hates it. He does everything he can to turn you. Hallelujah. He hates it when a pastor loves his people. He tries to get pastors to be indifferent. He tries his best to get them to have an I don't care attitude. And to not want to see their people, to avoid their people. We had a preacher tell us one time in the town we lived in, he said I, I, he didn't want to receive calls from his congregation. I always love calls from my congregation. But uh, he didn't want to receive any from his. And he said, uh, I've named my bed the Word. And when they call, I tell them I'm in the Word. Now this is true. I am telling you the truth. He hates love. And he hates it when you have a friend, when you love somebody. Amen. He hates it. And so he goes after it. So we need to watch for attack. Satan will bring up things in order to cause division. But he cannot cause division unless we allow him to. I want us to mature in the body of Christ. And the last thing, I said that was last, but this one's real short. Accept change. We've got to accept change. Do you know your relationships, your friendships are going to change? You know you may have a best friend. She might get married. When she gets married, something's going to change. Amen. You might both be married and y'all might be friends. She's going to have a baby. Something's going to change. We've got to accept change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Things change. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of us have lost relationships because we just didn't accept the change. Hallelujah. When change is anticipated, communicate. When change is anticipated, communicate. Change is coming. We need to communicate. I know change is coming. If you know change is coming, communicate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand together. Thank y'all for letting me finish. Because I don't think, I think we're supposed to be through with relationships.